Good afternoon to the UK Column audience, uh, wherever you are in the world. Thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to part two of my interview with Sandy Adams. And uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about the key issue of Agenda 21, as it was, uh, now Agenda 2030. And uh, with Sandy, we had a really fascinating part one where she surprised me by gently saying, well, of course, I, I did meet Bill Gates. So if you come into part two uh, as your starting video, I'm going to encourage you very much to go back and watch part one of this interview first. I will give a little bit of a recap for the audience, but watch part one and then come back and join us again for part two. Uh, Sandy, welcome back into the UK Column studio, albeit remotely. Thank you. How are you? Um, I'm very well, very well, despite the madness that's going on in the world. <laughs> yeah, it is quite incredible, isn't it? Because there's so much yeah. happening and so fast, it's difficult to keep up with it all. Um, mm. Right, let's kick off then and I'll put my glasses on because it's time of life uh, needing glasses. And uh, I'm just going to read through very briefly some of the things that we talked about in our part one. And then we're going to get into a little bit more detail and, and move on through your excellent agenda. Well, I've already dropped in the little bit that you started out last time by talking about how you met Bill Gates and uh, uh, the fact that uh, he was helping to promote a look into the future with all matters to do with intelligent uh, cars and environments. And uh, that then had got your interest and started you researching and really the key book that uh, that caught your attention was a big fat tome of nearly a thousand pages and that was the global biodiversity assessment which i think came out in 1997 i think that's what you said and uh, yeah okay and this was where really the globalists but also the un correct me if 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 i get any of this wrong uh, that was the key document where um, a, a major plan was being set out to really control everything. And you pointed out that you've been able to get a copy of that particular book um, and delved into it and found a huge amount of detail about the plans for the future. But you also said that subsequently that book seemed to disappear from print. Um, I'll mm. just ask you again, because I think this is this is always interesting when documents seem to disappear off the Internet. Have you has it really gone? Can other people get hold of a copy of this anywhere that, you know? Um, I don't know. I've I've tried um, and I I got it from I think it was Abe Books. Uh, about 10 years ago, and I've I've tried to get another copy and I can't find one anywhere. If anyone else can, that would be brilliant. But um, my, this one came from the States, I think, and it had, it had originated in a university in England and had obviously gone over to the States. Um, and then I bought it from whoever it was that was selling it in the States about 10 years ago. So if anyone can find one, 
let me know. <laughs> I think it's a it's a fascinating document. I, someone told me that the United Nations had denied that they published it, which is ludicrous because it has an I you know it has a, a number, it has an IBSN number. So I don't know. Um, who knows? I've not been able to find one. Okay. Well, the important thing, as I said in part one, is that you have that document. It was shown to camera, and of course, uh, this means that everything you're saying is coming from this big fat evidence base so that that's excellent now that, that can i just say that they did put, sorry to interrupt you they did actually put on amazon you can find a summary of it it's called the summary for policy makers and it's a very very thin little pamphlet which is really not got very much in it at all you can buy the summary for policy makers which really doesn't cover all the big stuff in there <laughs> in the big one sorry Okay, all right. No, that that's fine. Now, that document itself, you said, was was a plan which had got a, which was, um, had got a finger in all sorts of pie. It had got a finger in every pie on the planet. So it was looking at what mankind was doing. It was looking at what was happening in the sea, on land, what was taking place with crops. This was a very very detailed assessment of everything. And you pointed out to us last time that um, it was talking about human settlement, which which was was linked in the context of cities. But the phrase that was used was human settlement. And you found this a rather spooky terminology. And you also highlighted the fact that the plan was a sort of 200 year plan. And this mm. was interesting because most humans are not thinking in terms of a 200 year plan. They're thinking in terms of what they're going to be doing this year and next year. Uh, and mm. that was coupled with the fact that you moved on to the UN, which, of course, was completely complicit in what was happening. And uh, you pointed out that the UN, although it sold itself as a very benign uh, body, well, actually, they do more than that. They say that they're there to help uh, nurture and protect mankind but you pointed out that in reality the UN was totally unaccountable so we've got a 200 year plan where somebody is taking control of every asset on the planet including including people humans and it's linked in with the UN uh, a body which says it's there to protect us and help us but you demonstrated was unaccountable and what we said is this this is very dark yeah it's um to me it seems like a very very long term agenda as as we know and really at that stage when i was when i was doing the early talks i had no idea that it was going to go uh, as far as it is now which is you know entering into the alternative reality the metaverse and how they're creating an alternative reality because our reality is going to shrink um, in their eyes that our reality will will be no more there'll be no goods and services you can you will only access those in the metaverse so i had no idea that there was this going to be this incredible destruction of humanity i knew that they were going to try and control us but not destroy the human condition and that's what i'm seeing now right okay thank you for that all right, last little bit of the recap then for um, 
new viewers, but particularly people that watch part two, is that you'd uh, you'd put this slide on screen, United Nations Agenda 21. So this is another one of the key documents, but this is a much thinner little booklet. I think this was about sort of half an inch thick or something. So not, not the big tome of the other one. And these were some of the topics inside. You'd labelled it as a controlled control and inventory over all land, water, minerals, construction, means of production, plants, animals, education, energy, information, human beings, and control of all religious doctrine. That last one um, really uh, flags up to me because in, in UK Column News yesterday, um, we got onto the subject of, uh, of people with a religious background now being drawn into discussions on the World Economic Forum. And it would appear that the World Economic Forum and its partners are very, clean, are very keen to be using established religions to help them unfold their wider agenda. So I think there's, there's lots to be discussed there. Uh, you'd also uh, mentioned Morris Strong. Um, so the quote here from Maurice Strong is, we may get to the point where the only way of saving the world will be for industrial civilization to collapse. And I've got to say, that's a quite a spooky one at the moment, because many people would look at the collapse of, of the economies in the Western world. We are told as a result of that nasty man, Mr. Putin and the war in Ukraine. But we are seeing a collapse of economies in, in the USA and Europe on a scale since the second, we haven't seen since the Second World War, I would say. But just recap a little bit. Maurice Strong, why did you pick him up early as a person to pay attention to? Um, mainly because he, he, he'd worked with the Rockefellers for about 17 years. He was an oil billionaire himself. So, uh, I, you know, there's a questionable, why would an oil billionaire want to head up a, an Earth summit to get rid of fossil fuels? Um, and he, that he'd already invested heavily, as most of the attendees of the, the Earth summit in 1992, they'd all heavily invested in the carbon credit banks, you know, the Chicago Climate Exchange. Obama had been involved in all that. And um, he, his, he, he described himself as a as a communist in in uh, ideology and a capitalist in methodology, which is a contradiction in terms. So really, we're looking at communitarianism. It's a sort of corporate capitalism, and so what he really wanted to do was to. Uh, he he loved China. He he ended his days in China because he was exiled because he was a criminal. He'd actually got involved in the oil for food scandal in uh, with Adnan Khashoggi, and so after the Earth Summit, he was exiled to China where he lived very happily and loved the Chinese communist system. His sister lived with Mao Zedong. You know, he he was a perfect person to bring in this new world order, this new. Uh, this new economic order, if you like, um, that Brzezinski had talked about in the 1970s. So Brzezinski and Kissinger are all involved in all this. You know, they were all part of uh, this plan. So, you know, he was really a big mover and shaker um, in bringing about what we're seeing now, actually. OK, well, this this particular part two, we're going to be we're going to be having a look more at the organizations and some of the people who are mixed into this agenda 
And clearly, we have got very powerful people like Maurice Strong and uh, maybe the Rockefellers, wherever we go, there are people with access to immense amounts of wealth, but also power by maybe their own corporate interests or their links into the political world. And they seem to be able to drive really incredible change and agendas on, on a worldwide scale. So we, we'll certainly be focusing in on more people. Last little bit is you kindly gave us this little summary of what Agenda 21 seeks to achieve. Uh, Top-down global governance, and you've added there not government, and I'll, I'll come back and ask you a question about that in two seconds. Populations moved into concentrated urban areas called smart cities or humans, human settlement zones near train lines, no cars or air travel, every human action surveilled and carbon taxed, concentration of wealth and power of the surveillance state, surveillance capitalism, cashless society. Um, again, I'm reading through those sentences and in my mind, I'm getting little flashes of what we're seeing happen around us. So we, mm -hmm. take, um, we take no cars or air travel. Well, certainly air travel during the COVID lockdown at least and subsequently is, is decimated compared to the number of people that were moving around the world previously as air passengers. Uh, of course, a lot of them holiday makers. So air travel we're seeing being suppressed. We're seeing uh, travel by car being suppressed. And I believe now in some American states, um, they've already announced that they are going to uh, suppress sales of um, uh, fossil fuel cars, so gas, gasoline cars or diesel cars. They're, you're not going to be able to buy them anymore as there's a push to electric cars. But also we're seeing the numbers of electric cars dropped. Uh, cashless society, that one's coming. So I won't do any more myself, but out of that list, um, you started off by saying top-down global governance, not government. What was your distinction there between governance and government? Well, it's funny because they call it they call it governance, um, and really what we're looking at is is what is being done to people. There's no, I mean, I know government really isn't democratic. We know that, but it's always been called government because there was this illusion that governments were actually democratic and the people had their say. So governance is something very different. It's very top down. It's it's governance. It's it's really it's it. I you know it, I call it dictatorship. Yeah. And that's interesting that they use the word governance instead of government. So right. that was the distinction. Yeah. Okay. So we could we could we could call it dictatorship light, light L I T E. Mm. Um, yeah. What it really is is a dictatorship, but it masquerades as something more subtle. Yeah. Governance. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Populations going into concentrated areas. Well, I think we are seeing this in many many places, and of course we've we've recently heard from Holland as one of the key places, but also I think nor uh, Northern Italy um, and other countries in the world where it's clear that farming is being suppressed, land taken away from farming, mm -hmm. farmers taken away from farming, and they're talking about putting in land managers instead, which I think is a really creepy title. Um, 
concentration of wealth, the power of the surveillance state. Are, are we not seeing a demonstration of that by the sheer power of the likes of Google and Facebook and Twitter, who mm. are now telling their own customers what those customers can do, what they can say, and it appears even what they think. So we can tick off your bullet points, I think. Mm. I mean, I also, I think I, I've actually put every human action surveilled in carbon tax, but also we now have this whole social credit thing going on. So, you know, it, it's how you behave as well. Um, so actually I need to put that on there because a lot of these slides I actually compiled quite a long time ago and things have moved on. And I think really looking back at them, I think, oh my God, tick, tick, tick. Yes, this has happened, this has happened, that's happened. Um, but the, there is the, the social control, which is really quite quite worrying because, you know, if you don't behave in a certain way, then you your social credit, if it's not good enough, you will not have access to goods and services that you would normally have access to if your social credit um, score was good. Yeah. 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 And of course, people are not yet linking up the fact that um, if, if we go to the cashless society and your your score is not high enough, you are not going to have access to cash. You're certainly not going to have a, access to allowances. Yeah. And those allowances, we've got to the stage where the governments in many different nations have made people totally dependent on government allowances to live. Yes, I mean, this is it. I mean, there's, there is this whole, um, you know, the, the digital, the digital ID is really going to uh, assess you in every single way. And when they say every human action will have a value and a score, they mean that. And they've, they, that's what that's coming from their, their what they've been saying. So, uh, you know, if if you, for instance, if you have if you've used up your carbon credit scores and you go into the new biometric Tesco and your facial recognition says that you don't have um, enough, uh, you know, carbon credits to access that piece of meat or that butter or that cheese or whatever, those doors just don't open. You have no access to, to what you need or what you require. So it's it is it's a form of we're we're, we're going to be living in the, if if we allow this to happen and I truly believe that we this will you know that humans will wake up and realise what is really going on in the world because if they did that then this would not happen but we we just have to realise that they're trying to create a, a, a digital prison for us and yeah. you know this is this is something that people have really got to wake up and see. Okay, well, I totally agree with that. And I hope that um, having you here and discussing the subject is going to help some people. Maybe they're already awake, but it's going to help them uh, follow the path mm -hmm. along. So let's get into uh, sustainable development goals, because you, you'd taken some trouble to put these down in more detail. This was the overview with the little uh, headers here. But if we get into the detail uh, with these slides, um, what was your title? The 17 goals of Agenda 2030, create the metaverse. Explain that one again for us. Is the overall goal, are you saying the overall goal is the metaverse? 
Well, do you know, I, I'm still not sure because the metaverse, I mean, it, it is being created right now and there's a lot of money going into it. I mean, I was absolutely appalled that even in the Times, the Times newspaper this Sunday, um, sorry, the future of payments, and they're talking about payments going into, you know, that the MasterCard and Visa are creating something called non-fungible uh, tokens that are really the way of trading in the metaverse and how there's a lot of money to be made in all this you know that corporate corporate finance can make loads of money in in the metaverse and so that that made me think gosh this is actually really happening and i maybe this is the end game i mean i i, I can't help but think at the moment it says here um that um that the the value of the metaverse is predicted to generate by 2030 4.2 trillion dollars um in in commerce so it's it does look to me and I, i've got to be absolutely honest here that they're making life so miserable actually in reality they will try to make life so miserable and that in order to to get your carbon credits that is, so you're not sanctioned you'll literally have to sit in your smart city apartment with a virtual reality headset and experience reality and buy all your goods and services in the metaverse so that you don't you don't deplete all your carbon credits here in the real world um and you know you were you know they're getting to the point where they're saying well you you can't drive you can't fly you can't so how will you experience other countries through the virtual reality headset and i was really um amazed uh, i don't know whether I, I don't think i mentioned it in the formal former um former um episode but there was a friend of mine's um grandson was given a hundred pounds by his grandmother to buy a jacket but he didn't he bought a jacket in the metaverse for a hundred pounds which gave him superpowers and so that money was who collects that money you know there, there's big business in the metaverse you can buy real estate in the metaverse at the moment they're building and twinning everything on earth in the metaverse right. sandy for, <laughs> sandy sorry to interrupt you there yeah that's fine. for the uninitiated <laughs> and i'm really interested to hear your description of this what yeah. is the metaverse what is it what do you see that it the is? metaverse is is it's if you imagine the gaming industry now i've learned a lot from um, an amazing man called um, bantam joe who's on facebook and he was a gamer um he he created games he was in the military as well he created games these these games that all the kids play you know these virtual reality games where you you'll become you become the person in the game you have your own avatar this is what the metaverse is being created for it's for us to live our lives in an alternative reality now to me this sounds this is insane i mean these are insane people that are creating this world it, you know the likes of elon musk and and all the all the techies that are creating the metaverse because what they're doing is they're twinning every single everything that's in our world they're twinning in the metaverse and they have the technology to do so so every city every tree everything is created in the metaverse and it, it's a, it's a, it's an avatar of our world and likewise we can create our own avatars to live in that and to do commerce in that and people are now doing sort of uh, i think they they call it um 
that, that people are learning how to how to actually do commerce and be part of the metaverse. So we live this rather disembodied existence where the gods are the techies that have created that metaverse. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is actually becoming a reality. The metaverse, which is not real, is becoming a reality. And that's the worry. Yeah. Okay. And does that explain it? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I, where my mind was going was to say, it's fascinating, isn't it? But what did lockdown do for us? Well, of course, lockdown uh, became Zoomy time instead of people having meetings mm. where uh, the object was to meet other human beings in order to discuss whatever it is you had to discuss. It could be business or pleasure. You then met via Zoom, which, of course, is a meeting which is taking place in a in an electronic environment. But I, I also know perfectly that we are very close now to the fact that if you have a, a meeting with another commercial company, you could don a, uh, your 3D goggles. And instead of talking to somebody just over a Zoom window where you see an image of them, you could be walking into their offices via your 3D model. Mm. So you would you would start off by entering their world and and you'd be seated in one of their chairs talking to them. And so I, I absolutely know this stuff is coming along the pipeline. You are saying your research is showing that the ultimate agenda is to bring everything into that metaverse so that human mm. beings really don't bother to get out of their um, human settlement apartment, all they will do is is get out of bed if they even do that and plug themselves in and then travel, meet, talk, discuss, um, conduct recreation via an electronic world. Mm. Yes, I mean this is this is the this is this is what I think the you know the the billionaires the the techies the people that are creating this and the thing is that i honestly believe that a lot of people that are involved in this just see it as business they don't see it as a destruction of our world and i wonder at what point some of these people there must be good people involved in the tech industry who are understanding that this is destroying our our world you know our natural um moral beautiful world that we have no reason to create another one that's an illusion we have everything we need here but we're being denied it because they want to control everything and this is just seen as big business they, they're thinking right we I, I know people that have been doing coding courses on the metaverse to, to work out how they can buy real estate and control the real estate on the metaverse. And you, you think, well, why would you do that when we've got everything here? Because what they're doing is that they're destroying the economy to the point where we will be, they, they're creating the carbon credit and the social credit economy. So our price-based economy will go um, if they have their way. And they're trying, they're doing very, very well at destroying everything that, that that we have um and they're creating this alternative reality to make even more money um yeah. so it it seems crazy but that's what is happening yes crazy but with a purpose and uh, perhaps we'll come back to yeah. that later on so let's let's move on through these uh, particular goals and goal number one which we had just had on screen 
I, I just love the start of this because it's goal one, end poverty. And then the first action is make everyone equally poor. And uh, <laughs> of course, people are going to say, well, hang on a minute. If you're going to end poverty, you're going to end poverty. But they're ending poverty with a particular agenda in mind. So just we, we can't spend too long on each of these, but let's try and get through. No, no, because there's a lot of them. And, and I understand that, yeah. you know, we've got a time. But really bringing in universal basic income is going to make everyone equally poor. Um, uh, sort of, you know, it's 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 a fixed amount of carbon credits. So basically, we all go back to to zero. We're all equal, um, and we have a set amount of carbon credits per year uh, and social credits. And you know, the analysis of social credit through the digital footprint. So it would be through your Facebook, your Twitter, etc. So they're collecting data all the time all the time. Whenever you go on Zoom, they're collecting data. Whenever you're going on Facebook, all of these social, you know, these these platforms, they are collecting data 24-7. Even when you're in your home, they're collecting data. Yeah. Um, so we've we've got all this, you know, going on. So yes, that everyone will be sanctioned according to their carbon credits. Yeah. But ultimately and un unless you're part of their elitist group, um, ordinary people are going to be suppressed so actually we're yeah. going to be made equally poor and uh, mm. the data bit i just want to pick up on very briefly because in the last couple of days i discovered that the bank of international settlements if people don't know that bank that's the banking control of 60 uh, 63 other um, um, nations banks very powerful organization it's located in um, basel in switzerland it has its own effective diplomatic immunity. It doesn't pay a lot of taxes. You can't walk onto the property, even if you're a policeman. Um, the, that Bank of International Settlements is now setting up world hubs. And one of those is in UK, where the Bank of International Settlements is working directly in partnership with the Bank of England. And um, what is the objective? Data collection. And mm. so here, here we have an immensely powerful bank, very secretive. You can't get minutes of the meetings. But what do we know by their own declaration they're doing, amongst other things, is collecting huge amounts of data. And uh, I think that was very significant. I also noticed you'd mentioned Zima in China um, at the bottom mm. of that slide. And... Uh, significantly, I think the Bank of International Settlements has set up one of these hubs in Hong Kong. Um, so it's almost like it's putting its octopus tentacles now out worldwide. They don't even control the nation's uh, key banks like the Bank of England, but they're now they're now putting their own tentacles out. So goal two was um, uh, access to food. They're going to improve our nutrition and they're going to improve food production, apparently. Do you believe that? Uh, no, I mean, as we know, that food will be downgraded as it's being downgraded now. Um, you know, it's, it's GMO, you know, mass produced, low cost GMO food, um, synthetic proteins, insect proteins. We've heard about the bugs. Um, 
you know, there's no, you know, they're trying to scale down meat production. Meat production is seen as 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 too big an impact on on CO two emissions and stuff like that. So we've got, you know, AI sensors and blockchain to eliminate waste, loss in food value chain, smart food storage. So you you basically they'll they'll have these sensors, you know, in your bins to make sure you're recycling. There'll be you know, to to eliminate any kind of food waste or whatever. But um, you know, the real the reality is, real food is replaced with synthetic lab food, which we know is is really badly. You know, it's not good nutrition. Um, and and yeah, of course, got... this is this is all put across under the the lie that the objective is to end hunger worldwide, so we don't grow mm. more grain to feed people. Uh, we've we've got to move food production into the laboratory in order to end mm -hmm. hunger. So it's a it's these goals to me always seem to be duplicitous. You look at what they say, and it's almost as though mm -hmm. what they say in the headline is the opposite as to as to what the exactly real the, agenda the is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, um, sorry, every, go ahead. Everything that you. Sorry, I was just going to say that everything that that you consume is will be recorded on the blockchain as well. You know, so all of this is 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 recorded and sanctioned. You know, whatever you are eating, if you if you're overweight or if you've got, I don't know, diabetes or whatever, you know, you'll be sanctioned for maybe having sugar or eating anything that is is bad for you. Um, some people say, oh, well, that's good. But actually, where is free will in this? Where's free choice? And we we have to be also in charge of our own um, our own nutrition and our own decision making, our bodily autonomy. Yeah. Yes. OK, goal three here, good health and well-being. Now, this one, again, is incredible because um, are they advancing good health for all ages? If we look at UK, it's obvious that people's health is getting worse and has been more or less as far as I can see as long as people have been interfering in our health but we have more cancers we have more sicknesses we have more mental health problems and those problems are affecting people at an ever younger age so my <coughs> excuse me my picture of health in UK is is very clearly that our health is getting worse um, you know, apparently we're going to end up with one in four people with dementia. Um, but at the same time, the NHS system has been taken apart. And as Debbie Evans, our UK columns nursing correspondent, has been pointing out time and time again, we can see that the NHS in its physical form, where you're going to have real doctors and nurses interacting with real people as patients, that's being replaced um, by AI, and this is all part of the NHS long-term plan, and you're talking about um, preventative medicine, which is run through, amongst other things, the collection of genomic data. So they're going to prevent us becoming ill by working on things within our own bodies, genomic genomically driven medicines so your goal mm. three i think is happening around us it is i mean i i think later on when we get onto i don't know whether you're going to flag up the nhs sign you know sort of 
slide. But basically, NHS England and NHS Improvement and NHS X have collaborated in order to bring in more genomic predictive participatory and uh, predictive medicine, you know, into into um, into the NHS, and it's all genomic driven. Um, yes. So you know, it, it's it, they're, they're really trying to get rid of hospitals as we know them. And um, they're, they're really going to be genetic screening centres and dealing with, you know, you, the reality is you'll be diagnosed by an AI bot doctor in, in the future um, and not so distant future, I would imagine, because uh, it's impossible at the moment to see a real doctor anyway. You're being, yes. you're being fed on the phone line and that will soon be automated. Um, so it's monitoring by AI, biometric sensors, DNA data harvesting that's going on. Um, corporations assign fitness coaches to modify your well-being for productivity. And your medical records and genetic history are tied to the blockchain via the digital ID. So yes. we're looking at a, a system that is, is completely alien to the caring system we've had in the past. Yeah. yeah. And here we go on to goal four, which is quality education. Um, inclusive access to education, quality of education and facilities. And again, what, what are we witnessing? We're watching existing um, education facilities being, if not destroyed, dis certainly disrupted in a major way. So schools can't function properly because they've either been constantly changing with the syllabus or the exam a conduct of exams caused the, the teaching profession huge problems. Um, and then many people would say that the, um, uh, the educational goals themselves are falling all the time. So we're ending up with more poorly educated children. So the reality is the education system is being collapsed. But what we're going to bring in, you've got there is back to the AI, AI driven curriculums mm. and and yeah. looking at the child as basically the child is 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 just a genomic laboratory which this new system of governance is going mm. to say right child a clearly has got all the right uh, genomic sequences to become good they're going to be fast-tracked other children oh well you're going to become sick so we don't really want you because you're going to cost us money somebody is going to evaluate human life on that scale amongst children. That's, that's pretty unpleasant. Yes. I mean, it, it's valuing all human beings and especially children, you know, because the, these are going to be the, uh, the, the, the movers and shakers in their hideous military industrial complex that they're creating. So the STEM education is basically, you know, it's, 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 it's a it's a system of 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 creating the perfect human being in their eyes, someone that that they can actually commodify. Because all along, a child's, um, if you like, their their educational timeline, um, as they reach these the goals that that STEM education actually wants them to achieve, um, they will end up with generated tokens being generated onto the blockchain where the impact investors make their money 
And this is this is why children are at the moment, even as we speak, and during lockdown, they were putting all this uh, technology into schools so that they can data harvest the children, um, you know, from literally from cradle to grave. This is all going on now, even to the point where in some nurseries they have these things called um, uh, surveillance play tables where they can, the, the child is actually filmed whilst playing so they can actually data harvest and identify children who are going to excel, children that, who are not going to excel and really f fast track those ones into yeah. uh, into what they want really and they've also got something called sel which is um which is a, a kind of uh it, it's uh, it's sensory educational uh, emotional learning and what they do is is they 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 can then monitor their eye movements within on screens to see what the emotions of the child are so they can actually use that as a sort of uh, surveillance tool all of I this is really very dark, yeah. Uh, Sandy, I, I think that that is also part of machine learning. There, they are. Yeah. This is all in order yeah. to teach robots how not only yeah. to carry out physical movements, but to to replicate. Um, they're, they're, of course, it's a sham, but to replicate emotions. And once yeah. again, children being very cynically used. Goal five, remember for, for the audience, what we're going through here is the sustainable development goals, which are all key, yeah. a key part of this Agenda 2030 um, plan itself. Mm -hmm. So goal five here, we've got gender equality. And this one makes me smile because facilitating gender equality, protecting and empowering women and girls. But what's taking place at the moment, we're actually refusing to now to identify what a woman is yeah. we've we've played yeah. around with things so that we got politicians who are themselves women who refuse to say what a woman is so we're actually destroying gender identity we're not we're not facilitating it exactly it's all inversion i mean everything that that they say is good they're, they're just turning it all upside down you know it's um so they're yeah, basically they're kind of ignoring um the male and the female and yeah. i say gender you know it's it's actually the word sex has gone you know when a baby was born you used to say what sex it is now you say what gender so um you know it's getting rid of male female um and you know teaching women and girls to have less or no children i mean we've all been told oh you know save the planet don't have children and i know i notice a lot of young women now saying oh we're not going to have children we're going to concentrate on our careers because life is so difficult to live without you know without the income um you know they're teaching youngsters to abandon their gender identity and to take on transhumanism generic sexuality for better inclusion into the gender blind metaverse because that's what it will be it will be gender blind as yes. we you know as trying to really wheedle out any form of male female um you know sort of they, they just want everybody to be neutral because yeah. it's easier to transfer that into transhumanism and and and, it, and of course what that also does is break down the family bonds so the family's oh, yeah. under attack as well if you can break Absolutely. down these bonds, the individuals that are left, whatever they call themselves, men or women or in between us, mm. uh, they are more vulnerable to control of the state. Um, 
clean water and sanitation. This is an interesting one, isn't it? We now live in a world of bottled water. And I remember reading some, some, some something many years ago, which said, what would a what would a Victorian person think? What would somebody think in the 1920s or 30s if if you said that in in UK you didn't have full access to clean water? You had to go to a shop and buy a bottle of water. They would have thought you were a complete complete nutcase, mm. but that's where they've taken us. Yeah, the water infra infrastructure is, you know, that they they're putting fluoride into water. They're putting all sorts of stuff into water. We don't know what's in the water. Um, so that's why people, I think, are on the side of caution and and use um, use bottled water. But, yeah, I think, you know, that they want to control everything, water systems, um, energy, every, just about everything that we, we hold dear, you know, clean water, shelter, um, keeping warm, all of those basic human needs. They want to control so that we uh, literally don't have any access to um, those particular, um, you know, things. So I, I just feel that we've we're just being hit by all angles, really. Yeah. Um, but the yeah. point the point you come back to is that if you follow through these goals and almost say consider the opposite of what they claim, that is now happening around us. The next one is affordable goal seven, affordable and cheap energy. Yeah. What is happening around us? Well, energy prices are skyrocketing. Rocketing, yeah. It's and not then affordable. We're, it's not cheap. It, and, yeah. But, yeah, but plus we're being told we can't use certain fuels. We're not allowed to use uh, petrol or diesel. We're not allowed to use coal. Uh, we've also got restrictions on wood-burning stoves. So all the means of, of cheap energy are being taken away from us and we're being mm. told, no, you must actually just use electricity, where surprisingly the prices is increasing at an astronomical rate. Of course, yeah. And it's much easier to, uh, you know, to, to just switch it off. You know, they, they can do that. You know, if everybody's just using electricity, I mean, they've already said that, you know, by 2030, they don't want any wood burners in homes in England, if you look at the net zero document, uh, that's they want to outlaw all wood burning stoves. So how do you keep warm? You know, how do you cook? How do you if, if, if everything goes? Yes. So, yeah. Well, you're chuckling there and we have to keep a sense of humor about it because some of it is so crazy. You have to laugh a bit, but it does. Well, yeah. I mean, it gets more and more absurd. And, and the more absurd it becomes, the happier I, I, I am, actually, because the more people will go, hang on a minute, this is madness. You know, what, what are they doing? And I think the, the more they are getting desperate, I believe that that's why they have this goal of 2030, but they're accelerating it at, at a really fast pace. And they're making mistakes and that they're coming up with more and more absurd options. And I think that that will be their downfall because people will look at this and it doesn't make sense. It does. It's not common sense. And people will just suddenly, you know, wake up and say, no, this is mad. That's what I believe anyway. Well, no, I, <laughs> I, have I, to. I agree with you. It, it, in many ways, it has to get so bad that it gets people's attention when people are yeah. are warm and comfortable and the money's still coming in, they don't really pay attention to anything outside their life bubble. No. Working, no. home, children, 
the car paying the bills. But when it gets tough, they start to ask questions. And certainly, if we give an example of this, for the UK column, lockdown was just unbelievably good because people were shut up yeah. in their homes. They became increasingly unhappy and they went online looking for answers as to what was taking place. And for many of them, mm -hmm. that led us led them to the UK column. Obviously, there were many other uh, people out there talking about what was going on, but just a little bit of promotion from our point of view. We know that we had a huge boost in audience during lockdown because people wanted explanations as to what, what on earth was going on. Um, let's keep moving through because we want to do this for the audience. Uh, I will make yeah. sure that the actual tables are injected into the video so we don't have to cover all the points in the discussion. Uh, but goal eight here, decent work. That sounds good, doesn't it? Decent work mm. and economic growth. But of course, economic what's happening growth. around us is the economies are... Economic are decline. Decline. Okay. And we've got this one, industry, innovation and infrastructure. Now, actually, this is a very important one, isn't it? Because if you listen to the government, everything is about innovation. We're going to innovate mm -hmm. so that effectively all will be well in the future. UK mm. is to become an, uh, an innovation hub of the world, um, particularly in genomic sequencing and genomic medicines, AI. Everything is about innovating. And by innovating, we're going to solve the horrible problems we got now. And we're going to move into a utopia. But I think you're going to tell us that the utopia is going to be something that we don't want. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they've got all these buzzwords like inclusive, resilient, sustainable. You know, all, all of these are, are just buzzwords. You know, they don't really mean anything because what, we, what it does mean is, is, is whatever it is, it's wrong. It's inverted. You know, the UN, they want to enable tracking of industrial machinery, robotics for manufacturing and processing. I mean, I'm seeing this in the farming industry with the agri-tech that they're bringing into farming, yeah. you know, putting 5G collars on cattle and, uh, and, and robotic farming. It's, it, it really is creating uh, the, if you like, the climate to get rid of the human. You know, that's what they want to do. They want yeah. to actually replace everything with robotics. So that you'll you will be sitting in your virtual reality headset because there'll be no jobs. It'll all be taken over by the by the tech industry. Yeah. Okay. And number ten here is facilitating equality and international collaboration. Well, this is this is where we're getting into the real globalist language because this would have mm. us believe that everybody in the world in all nation states is going to be able, are going to be able to get on together in one big blob. Um, you, you've said here, uh, bringing what it really means is bringing developed nations to near po poverty while raising mm. development, developing nations above po poverty. So we've got a, a complete change in the world order taking place, um, mm. which sounds good in some ways because we're elevating poorer countries. But it's not to bring them into a position of a happy, fruitful life. It's to actually create equal misery. Well, yes. I mean, you know, that 
the, the bringing developed nations to near poverty is, is really what I spoke about, I think, in the first half with, um, you know, our common future, which was that Marshall Plan to actually um, finance, you know, the India and China, the, the, the less developed countries. So what's happening now is that we, you know, the, the West is falling. I mean, it really is falling and it's a, it's a planned destruction of Western civilization. Um, and they're saying they're going to uh, help the developing nations, but actually, who has all the resources? Africa, you know, these yes. countries where with wonderful resources. I mean, people always talk about Africa as being a poor country. Actually, it's probably one of the richest countries in the world because of its resources, but it's always been suppressed. Yes, so, and, we, and we've um, got the terrible yeah. situation at the moment where um, we're now starting to decimate rich areas the congo being one mm. of them in order to yeah. dig the lithium out the ground in order to make our batteries for for electric cars mm. so congo being destroyed Madness. in order yeah. to fulfill this agenda now i've jumped on through because i thought we'd just focus on yeah, yeah, a yeah. few yeah, more um goal 13 climate action well it's it's been it's been obvious from the start hasn't it that so-called global warming climate change as they now like to call it has been used as one of the key drivers for this bigger a bigger globalist agenda yes i mean it's you know climate change has been used really as the, as the, as the big controller you know because everybody wants to save the planet and that's really what the earth summit was all about it was about really conning everyone into into believing that they they are that human the human being is the enemy and that we we need to um give up all our rights and freedoms in order to save the planet and this is exactly what agenda 21 seeks to do you know you don't own anything and you'll be happy because you've destroyed the planet this is the way they they look at it um, and, you know, smart, smart land management, you know, the, the, the management of the land goes into the hands of the globalists because they, you know, we humans aren't, you know, aren't fit enough to actually look after the, and, 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 and steward the land in their eyes. This is, this is how they turn it all on its head. Yes. Um, I, and I've, so, so, sorry, Sandy, no, while, you, while you're talking there, I, I called up goal 15, which is life on land protecting and restoring yeah. terrestrial ecosystems uh, the un is talking about real-time habitat land use mapping monitoring detection of illegal activities wildlife tracking um you are saying actually they're removing they are going to remove humans from their natural environment and we're going to be pulled into these smart cities where everything is controlled Yes, I mean, I, it's it, it's a, it's a strange one to get your head round, but this has been a long term plan. This is actually in in the global diversity assessment. It's um, the the fact that the human being has, in their eyes, destroyed the planet, and they made us the enemy, um, really, a long time ago in in nineteen ninety one, the first global revolution, the Club of Rome report. They actually identified humanity as the enemy of you know, as man, as the enemy of humanity. So the idea is that they remove us from it, from the equation and they put us into smart cities and the, the, the land only they have access to. 
the the and this is what they this is what rewilding is about rewild or rewilding 50 percent of the planet by 2030 or 2050 uh 2050 i think is the goal for rewilding 50 percent of the planet well so just uh, and just is, sorry sorry sandy just yeah. to push the point yeah, just explain that rewilding because i know at one stage there were some very interesting maps of of the united states which appeared to show that there were plans for literally allowing some cities to decay uh, they wouldn't be used as cities anymore mm -hmm. And then huge areas mm. of America returned to the wildlife for the bears and the wolves and everything else to take over and the, and the human beings. Those maps that I saw many years ago, I believe were genuine maps, but you've also seen this type of material. Well, um, in the global, global diversity assessment, they do mention the Wildlands Project and they admit that it's controversial but it was actually a UN-based project, the Wildlands Project of America. And the map that you, you're referring to was a big map of, and I don't think I've got it on this PowerPoint, but I've used it in the past. It's a, a large map where most of the, it's a color-coded, and most of the map is yellow and red. And that's where humans are not allowed to be. Um, and that is most of, that's the whole of North America. And there's little dots all around the coastline and in, inland, which are grey dots, which are the human settlement zones. And in between it are the corridors, and they mention the corridors in the Global Diversity Assessment. They say these are areas for federal and military use, no human use. So this was a plan. This was a plan. Whether it still is or not, who knows? You know, they, right. they, I have no idea. This could be an intermediate, intermediate thing, in, in, you know, into, into getting... A sort of possibly a depopulated um, uh, uh, population into the smart cities and control them and be able to harvest their their sweat equity or their not they have, they won't have sweat equity but it's being able to harvest their data. Yep. The data is the new gold. That is the new sweat equity. Their data will be harvested and they will live their life through alternative reality. That's the, that's the plan, I believe. Yeah. Right, okay. Right, we're very close to the end on these goals. I've actually jumped back yeah. one because you've talked about the land. Well, they're going for the land, but they're also going for the oceans and the water. We're not, there's yes. not going to be anything under the surface of water that they, they don't control mm. or what's in the water. Yes, I mean the thing is that the the there's a, they've got this drone technology that's that uh, will be part of the big surveillance tech. I mean there's a, there's going to be a big push further on the surveillance. If, uh, there's an amazing guy called Aman Jabi who worked in Silicon Valley as a he he developed facial recognition. He's become a a, um, a whistleblower, and he talks about how the advancement of surveillance tech is really, really pushing forward, and drones are a big part of it. And um, they will be surveilling the countryside for anybody uh, who is, for instance, hunting wild animals or whatever. If if maybe you're not allowed to access meat or whatever, uh, or fish, and so you you everything will be monitored, and they'll restrict access to the open seas, lakes, rivers, with sensors and satellites, and penalise those found guilty of illegal activities like fishing. You know, fishing will be um, not not allowed. Uh, there's, you know, the, the whole thing is to force us into GM food. 
Yes. Uh, so access to the land is going to prevent that because people will naturally use the resources of the land. So they have to get us off. Yeah. And if I just give an art, uh, an example that I'm very familiar with of, of control over the oceans is the fact that originally, of course, somebody went out in their fishing boat and they went into the open sea and they fished and they brought a catch back to feed uh, themselves and to sell. Uh, then we had the introduction of licenses. You had to have a license to fish. And then we had quotas as to what type of fish you could catch at what time of the year. And then we've moved on to the fact that now it's not the fishermen that even buy the license. It's, it's the likes of the supermarkets. So the fish are bought in the sea before they even get mm. to market. You know, there's fish swimming around that have actually got an Asda stamp on them or a Tesco stamp. Uh, this, is, this is how, yeah. how close this yeah. has got. Right, the last two big goals then, let's deal with those before we, we have a chat about some of the people. Um, goal 16, peace, justice and strong institutions. So again, this is, this is all the icing on the cake. Trust us and we're going to build you this utopian world which will be peaceful, mm -hmm. there will be complete justice, strong institutions who will look after you and keep you safe. This is the snake oil, isn't it? Lies, lies, lies. Yeah. 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 And they, uh, they let's do the other. Let's do, <laughs> sorry. Let's do the other one that goes with it. Goal 17, partnerships, because this for me is very, very important because these people mm. could not do what they were doing without the use of a combination of the big, powerful global industries and the very powerful global think tanks and institutions. And you've labeled the World Economic Forum there in uh, your goal 17. I think many people will have at least heard of the World Economic Forum, and they've probably heard of Mr. Schwab. But we're now talking about something which to me seems to work through governments and beyond governments. Is it unreasonable to say it appears that people like the World Economic Forum can control a politician like Tony Blair, for example? Absolutely, yes. I mean, that, that's the problem, is that we, we have a, a, a huge amount of uh, compromised um, people who are in our, our governing, in, in our governments. And, um, you know, Tony Blair's a big one. He's got masses of money invested in impact investing to actually harvest the human being as a commodity. I mean, this, this is, he's, he's got impact investing companies. They're going to be the ones literally creaming off the money on the tokens on the blockchain from the data harvesting of our children. I mean, this is horrendous. Um, so it's it's in their it's in their it, they they want to create all these partnerships, these public private partnerships that are really the problem. It's big business is the big problem at the moment because it's in it's in the hands of of, of greedy bankers and uh, corporations and politicians who've all got their fingers in pies. You know, we know that uh, some of them have got money in genomics and uh, AI and all sorts of areas that, that they, they will make loads of money on this whole agenda. Um, and, you know, they're, they're building sustainable global partnerships all the time that they want 
to make money on. And, you know, they're, they're just trying to, you know, weaponize us and control humans, you know, weapon, use us as, as a way of, of enriching uh, their, their investments. So, yeah, it's... So, so money, money <laughs> is key. The power that goes with money is key. Yeah. Inevitably, yeah. people who are key drivers of this are very wealthy and very powerful. Um, and we're going to yeah. I think we're going to talk a bit more about some of them. I've got a I'm clock watching. The clock always gets in yeah. the way because we're always trying to do things in a respectable time. But I'm just going to I think if we can let this run till the end, uh, till half past, we've got enough time to go through this next section. And here you're really you're starting to get encourage people to think about various historic events and uh, mm. and also quotes and what people have uh, have been doing so let's let's run through these fairly quickly this one the slide fascinated me you've got operation columbia 1947 what's <laughs> this all about we've got cars with well, what loud loud speakers on is that what's on the cars? yeah they had loud speakers they were all they were all sprayed grey. Now, this is the uh, this. I, I'll just go through quickly. The technocracy movement started in the 1930s at Columbia University by a guy called um, M. K. Hubbard and Howard Scott. They were political scientists and engineers that proposed the replacement of capitalism with an energy-based economy as opposed to a price-based economy. Um, it was reintroduced by the Trilateral Commission in 1973 by Zbigniew Brzezinski as the new economic order now known as sustainable development and the green economy. Many alumni of Colombia are heading up the present global agenda, and I'll talk about that later. But at that, at, in 1947, um, Elon Musk's grandfather was at Columbia University, and they, uh, they decided to try and push the technocracy movement to try and give it one final push to get it going, because what they wanted was what we are being forced to have now, which is an energy-based economy, not a price-based economy, like, if you like, carbon credits, carbon economy. They were trying to push that in between 1930 and 1947. It kind of fizzled out, but Elon Musk's grandfather gave it one final push with Operation Columbia, and he, they set up a company uh, from Columbia University called Technocracy Inc. And the, the final push was to have a convoy of grey cars going all the way along from literally from California to Vancouver um, and stop at every, get this, Masonic temple along the way because it was financed by the Rockefeller Foundation and the Masonic temples. And so Elon Musk's grandfather, whose name was Joshua Haldeman, we, We've he, got a slide. Uh, spoke. Sandy, we've yeah, got a slide um, here. Let's pop this one on oh screen. Oh, yeah, there you are. Here we are. Tell, yeah, tell Joshua us, Haldeman. So, so we, we've got the... Um, well, that, that's the young Elon Musk in the circle there. Um, and that's his, that's his grandfather holding him. And that's, that's Joshua Haldeman. And he was the one that was pushing for the carbon-based economy in 1947. So really, we've got to thank him for his contribution to the Great Reset. So right. this is almost like bloodlines, isn't it? This is another way well, that, that, you know, baton is taken up by the, by, by the grandchild, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and also, of course, that was happening way back then. They were looking into yeah. us as the future nearly 100 yeah. years later. Yeah. 
Okay, this yeah. is um, Zbigniew Brzezinski himself, I think, isn't it? This slide. He's, yeah, he looks quite demonic, doesn't he? Yeah, so he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's passed on now. But he, um, he was the one that revived the, um, the whole technocracy movement in 1971. And he called it the, the new economic order. Um, and he proposed that we would, we would work towards a carbon-based economy and get rid of money and to, to, to really re-engineer the whole of society. And it was at a time that in 1971 where he was meeting with people like Klaus Schwab. In fact, the, you know, the, uh, the World Economic Forum was actually um, brought into being in 1971. So there was a lot of movers and shakers from Columbia University. I mean, a lot of the Illumini were from there. It said, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've sort of said, yeah, the, the Illumini of Columbia had, were heading up at present the global agenda. You've got Klaus Schwab, Amatai Etzioni, he was the guy that invented con, um, commutarianism uh, or the ide ideology of commutarianism. We had George W. Bush, Soros, Rockefeller, David Nubrzynski, Joshua Haldeman. They were all a group of elite technocrats who were then trying to implement what was social, what was global warming to create a carbon-based economy. Right. Uh, so it's nothing new. It's nothing new. Yeah. Okay. And you've got a particular, uh, I think this is the cover of a book, The Limits to Growth, 1972. Yeah. I, I can't see who wrote that. So you have to tell us if you, um, what the significance um, oh gosh, of this I've one was. Oh, gosh, I've got a copy of it here. Yeah, it was written by um, Meadows, Randers and Meadows. Um, they, this was a Club of Rome report that really, again, it was in, 19, in, in 1972 this was written. Um, and it was all about finite resources as opposed to um, consumerism. And that in 1972, they were saying, you know, by 1980, there won't, we will have run out of resources. We, you know, we just haven't got enough resources on the planet to sustain the global population. And it was all about population and finite resources. So this was another Club of Rome report, which went to make the bones of Agenda 21. And they, they basically were, were, were do, getting all these assumptions from computer models. So, and we know what happens with models, they're flawed. And so they, there was this hype going on. And this is why this whole technocracy movement was reinvented, because they'd looked at these computer models, got it all wrong again, just like they did it, um, you know, uh, during the pandemic. Um, so we, we, we end up having a big panic and we've got to stop, you know, we've got to stop population and we've yeah. got to stop this, the use of finite resources. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Sandy, just hold that book up again, because I think it's really good for people to see that you, you've yeah, got what you're talking about. Yeah. And I'll yeah. say you've this got a, a version of it. Yeah. You've got a marvellous kitchen. Uh, you know, some mums would have their spices and uh, food in the drawers, but you've got all this amazing research. documentation. <laughs> OK, now this is where it gets serious, because you see and many other people see that there is a, a, an unpleasant mix in the uh, if we're heading what to the te technocratic era um mm. I, I, i'll have to check myself on that, that one the exact name but we're looking at tech technocracy but eugenics yeah. comes in with it as well and you've got some sort of bullet points here about what has been said the world has a cancer and that cancer is man that's pretty unpleasant and then yes, you've got I mean, yeah. Bill Gates, who, whom you've met, 
um, was, uh, is linked here with the William Gates, Margaret Sanger eugenics uh, movement, the war against the weak. Um, and now we've got NHS X looking in everything to do with our individual genomics uh, patterns. This, this is very dark stuff. It, it is. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's just gone. It's, it's, it's coming, it's, bring, it's bringing this eugenics and they call it genomics, which is a kind of euphemism for the new eugenics. They're even calling it the new eugenics. So eugenics is eugenics. You can't, you can't sugarcoat it. It's, it's not a good ideology to be following. Um, and what is a little bit worrying is um, is that under the, under the veil of the coronavirus, the government have taken the opportunity to remodel and transform the NHS um, using AI-driven genetics. And you know, I could go on about this, but I don't think we have time. But really, the goal of this technology is predictive, preventative, personalised, and participatory medicine. Um, you know. And the they, they, NHSX published in a document in October 2019, the key to unlocking the benefits of precision medicine with AI is the use of genomic data generated by genome sequencing. Machine learning is already being used to automate genome quality control. So the aspiration is to really have the NHS at its core, it's working around the role of genetics in disease, which actually isn't the only marker. For, for, you know, for health, yep. you know, you've got a lot of different markers. This is only one of them, but they're concentrating on that and using it almost as a, as a, as a if you like, a, I mean, I hate to say it, but there, there, there's even worse. I mean, it, it goes on. Um, uh, a chilling fact in the whole plan is behind it is the former prime minister's chief advisor, Dominic Cummings. In his blog in 2019, he wrote of the hopes that the new NHS genomics prediction program would ultimately allow the UK not to just prevent diseases, but to identify them in pre-birth, effectively endorsing selective breeding programs at the very core of eugenics. Hmm. You know, this is really dark stuff. This is awful. You know, right, if, well, if, Sandy, again, yeah. um, Debbie Evans with the UK column has been um, uh, watching Dominic Cummins's blog for a very long time and says that yeah. um, when you get into it, you're reading unbelievably dark, unbelievable. twisted yeah. stuff. And, um, yeah. you know, she, she says it, it really gives you an insight into his mind. Um, Sandy, as always, um, the clock is, is, is looking at me, really, because I've got some other uh, commitments today. So I'm going to say we, we should end there with this part of part two. I think we're going to have to have a part three because really the next section, you're looking at some really interesting people and what they've been doing and talking about. And I want to give you full time for that. So I hope you'll join me for a part three, but we'll close today if you're happy. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, it would be really good to do a part three. And uh, thank you for, for having me on. And it's been great today. Thank you. Yeah. OK, you're very kind. Thank you very much for that. Well, for our viewers, there is so much to talk about here. And as we've often found, we need to get the evidence across. Where are the documents? Where are the statements? Who are the people? Because individuals that come to these subjects fresh want to be sure that what we're talking about 
comes from an evidence base, and that is absolutely the case. We will shortly do a part three <laughs> with Sandy Adams. And uh, Sandy, I think we'll, we'll have a great time having a look at the individual. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. See you soon. All right, Bye -bye. thank you.